I'm in the book of Amos, uh, one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament, Amos uh, chapter number 8. And even if you can't find it in your Bible, because I don't hear any pages moving. And even if you can't find it on your device, we're going to have it for you on the screen. The 11th verse of Amos chapter number 8 reads behold the days are coming declares the lord god when i will send a famine on the land not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the lord they shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. I want to bring your attention to the last clause, the last clauses in the 11th verse. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. So I'm going to speak into our collective consciousness and into our prophetic destinies uh, from a very important subject. I'm going to call this the famine of the soul. Famine of the soul. And it is my prayer. It is my prayer for us today that our souls will prosper. Amen. Because I think that is the root cause of every other form of prosperity. According to John, he says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospereth. The famine of the soul. Sweet Holy Spirit of God, we need you now more than ever. We need wisdom and revelation, clarity and convictions that keep us through dark times, through perilous times, through difficult, turbulent, dangerous times. Give us convictions that keep us by the word. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you, Maestro. Now, there are several other passages that I may make reference to, um, but our uh, AV team have them, and if I do make reference to them, you'll be ready. So, I want us to notice in this passage that the famine predicted would not be a famine for bread or water. So it's not physical. And I also want you to notice that it is not a famine for the word. 
It is not a famine for the word. It is a famine for hearing the word. Which would suggest that there will be word in abundance. But very few people will hear it. And can I remind you that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, so that my life is linked to my ability to hear what God is saying. Man shall not live. My life is linked to what I hear God saying. May I also remind you that in the spiritual kingdom, the ear gate is more important than the eye gate. Because faith doesn't come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. And can I remind you that the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. So that if I can't hear God, I can't walk in victory. Because I can't have the faith needed to overcome. Does that make sense? And can I remind you that the revelation to seven churches in Asia simply goes like this. You all have something you need to overcome, but you will not overcome it until you have an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the church. Every one of them had something to overcome, but they couldn't overcome without hearing an instruction. So that the famine for hearing would ultimately produce barren souls, fruitless souls, empty souls, malnourished souls, dying souls. And they dying because they cannot hear God. So I'm getting a bit practical with you today. And tell you that there is a difference between the sermon and the message. Mm. Yes, there is. The sermon is the envelope in which the message comes. We'll say it again. The sermon is the envelope. The message is in the sermon. 
The sermon is what the preacher puts together. The message is what God put in the sermon. For you. Today, I'm preaching a hundred sermons. Right now. You know why? Because you're all hearing different things. But you know what happens if you put the envelope on the shelf? You never get the message. So it becomes your job to open the envelope. Oh, help me now. My job is to deliver the envelope. God's job is to put a message in the envelope. Your job is to open the envelope and read the message and then take the instruction. That's why it's kind of futile in today's world to say, well, did you get, did you get the email? Oh, yeah, I got the email. <laughs> yeah, my... <laughs> Yeah, my Gmail works just fine. My, uh, my AOL, my whatever, it works just fine. Of course, I got the email. That doesn't mean you got the message. And it's even worse when it comes to physical mail. Did you get, did you get the, we sent you several letters. Oh, is it? So it must be in the pile. The pile that I haven't opened. And I think God is describing a time in history in which people would have piles and piles of envelopes that they never opened and never read. And so they dying at a spiritual level because they never read the message. I'm going to preach a little bit to myself today, if you don't mind. I'll let you eavesdrop on preacher conversations that we have with ourselves and with each other. Because I have observed a strange phenomenon in my ministry. It disturbed me at first, then it intrigued me later. Now, I get it. But in the beginning, it was disturbing. Because when you preach, that is the end result of prayer, study, organization, practice. You're in the mirror. I don't really use the mirror anymore, but because I got one in my imagination. Right? You, 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 Bible commentaries, your concordance, your... Uh, expository dictionary of words to know what the Greek was, what the Hebrew was, what the context was, your, your manners and customs of the times so that you know that you, you're, you're historically and contextually accurate. And the end game is you get to deliver your sermon believing and knowing that God has a message in it 
for everyone. And then you get very deflated and frustrated at the fact that people take it and say, thank you, very, fold it up, put it in a pocket, thank you, very, I'll read it later. And you can tell that I'll read it later, people. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't, don't get all upset and guilty, right? Just, just let me preach. Because I'm talking to me at the moment. You can tell them, just take no notes. There's no notes taking whatsoever. They're not remembering nothing. Okay? I'll read it later. How really are you going to even remember what I said later? They go, oh, no, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewatch it next week on YouTube. Yeah, but see, I have all the statistics because I have the behind-the-scene panel of YouTube plus the streaming platform that is used to stream to YouTube. I know exactly how many people watched and at what time they watched. So I'll read it later. Thank you, Bishop. And over the years, again, I'm just talking to me, I observed this strange phenomenon that people could sit under my ministry for 5, 10, 15, and 20 years. And when I say sit under it, I mean are in church every week. And are as far removed from my heart and mind as it is possible to be. Like, zero change, zero progress, zero movement in a direction. Because, see, if you sit under a ministry, after five years, people who don't go to that church are supposed to be able to say, I know what church you go to. Why? Because they can see, hear, feel the energy of what you've been feasting on. Like it's not possible to really feast on someone's ideas for years and it not be evident in your life. I mean, whether it's a preacher, whether it's a philosopher, whether it's a teacher, you simply begin to take on the characteristics, the values, the convictions of the things you sit and listen to. <clears throat> That's not the mystery. That wasn't what disturbed me. The mystery was how I'd go to another church in another country and speak for one hour to people who had never met me. And for a full five years later, still be getting letters and testimonies of how that one session completely transformed my life. Evidence of businesses they started Ministries that were launched. I think it's partly why I'm in South Africa in my head today. As in Nigeria once, Nikki could have been with me. I don't know. We just keep bumping into each other at airports and stuff like that. But as in Nigeria once, and Israel at Houghton was the singer, was doing praise and worship. And his praise and worship team came from different parts of Africa. And a brother from South Africa came up to me and said, there you are. He said, I've been looking for you. My pastor's been looking for you. I didn't do it. 
It wasn't me. <laughs> he said, I've been looking for you. He said, I was there. What do you mean you were there? I was there at the Good Hope Center. Oh, the, the conference I did at Good Hope. Yes, I was there. I was a kid. My pastor was there. He was a young man. He wasn't in the ministry. That night, he said yes to God and the ministry. And today, he pastors the fastest growing church in South Africa. And he told me, we must find the man. We must find him. Because that was my turning point. It's frustrating to think that you could in one hour have that effect on a stranger. And in five years, have zero effect on people listening to you every week. Oh, yeah, it's a difficult one. I got a worse one. I'm just, again, I'm just, this is my part. This is not, I'm just letting you listen in on my thoughts for a minute. I'll preach in a second. I remember a brother saying to me one time, Bishop, and this is many years ago. Y'all don't know the brother, so stop looking around the church. He said, Bishop, just want to let you know that I'm leaving. And I'm going to be relocating to another church. I said, no worries, bro. We don't have a prison system here. You're welcome. Uh, but I, I, I do like to conduct an exit poll kind of find out if there was maybe something we could do or if, if in some way we, so I said, you know, what's the deal? He said, well, I'm not really being fed here. <laughs> it, was like, it was a mystery because at the time, I had people across the world trying to buy my tapes. Or, in fact, we used to use tapes. Y'all don't know about tapes. I should explain tapes to you just a minute now. This was the predecessor to the CD. This is a TDK audio cassette. And I had a machine that duplicated the master cassette and you could have add-on machines so I had a long row of machines so that by the time the service was finished you could buy the cassette of the sermon and I'd say something like 20% of our church budget came from the purchase of the audio cassettes which meant there was a queue as long as you eye to buy that message. And here the guy said, yeah, I'm leaving because I'm not really being fed here. So I was intrigued. I went, okay. I hear you, man. I hear you. So I said, uh, just tell me before you go, what did you think of my series, Developing Intimacy with God? He went, I don't think I remember that series. Okay. 
Then I listed four or five series <laughs> that I'd done. I said, what did you think of that one? I didn't, I don't think I was here for that one. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't remember that one. I don't, and I listed the series that were just selling fast, like pastors. I mean, pastors would call me up and say, Bishop Malcolm, I owe you tithes. <laughs> Why? Because I've been preaching your messages for the whole year. <laughs> but here's this guy. I'm not being fed. I thought, I got you. You literally can't hear anything I'm saying. And then here's the classic one for preachers is this. You bring a guest speaker in. The guest speaker preaches exactly what you've been preaching for the last month. And the saint comes up to the guest preacher in front of your face and says, I have never in my life, I'm telling you, that was revelation. I've never heard anything like it. <laughs> You're mind boggled. You don't know which hemisphere of the brain to look into. you. <laughs> And uh, so at first it was disturbing, then it became intriguing, because I noticed it was a universal phenomenon. I noticed that I'd preach a message at someone's church and the pastor would say, spot on, exactly what I've been dealing with for the last month, only to have their members walk straight up to me and say, I have never heard anything like this in my life. I thought it was just me. <laughs> I'm a little... <laughs> Like, thank you for telling me that because you just delivered me. And uh, I began to realize that that there's a little there's an issue here that, that we have to explore. Where it moved from intrigue to enlightenment was looking at Jesus. Looking at Jesus. Y'all ready to look at Jesus for a minute? That's right. Preach. I love babies. Come on and preach up in here. Jesus, Matthew 13, gives a parable about the sower and the seed. Right? But if you check him carefully, he's talking about himself. He says, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. So I'm talking about me. He's saying, I have come here and like a sower, I am throwing the word of the kingdom out into Israel. The word of the kingdom. But I'm not getting a proportionate return on my investment. This is what Jesus is effectively saying. He's saying, for all the seed I've sown, I only got 11 sons. Y'all wasn't ready. Do I need to say that again? Because y'all wasn't ready for that. For all the seed I have sown, I only have 11 sons. Oh no, Jesus, you have a big crowd. 
yeah, that's what I have. I have a crowd. But crowds follow for different reasons. You understand what I'm saying? Some people are attracted to you. Your anointing, your grace, your charisma, your entertainment value. But something more attractive will always come along. And they'll be in that crowd. Actually, they're usually already in three or four crowds. The people who are attracted by entertainment value. Others are addicted to you, which is really bad. Because if people are addicted to you, it is literally that you are a drug for them. That makes them feel better without changing their reality. Because that's the purpose of the drug. Is a temporary escape from reality. To feel good, but do nothing about the circumstance that made you feel bad. Ministries are drugs for some people, you know that? Oh yeah, that's really the purpose behind the camera lights action. (laughs) Sorry to... The show, it's a drug. It's going to pick you up. Attracted, addicted, and then there are some people that are assigned. Those people are quite different because whether you are attractive or not, whether you make them feel high or not, they're with you because of an assignment. And... uh, I note Jesus saying, I've been sowing all this seed and there's a crowd because that's who I've been sowing it to, but I only have 11 sons. Say 11, yeah, because Judas wasn't one. I want you to notice about that parable that in every case, the seed was good. That's just so deep. In every case, there was nothing wrong with the word. That's what I'm saying. I moved from intrigue to enlightenment when I realized, hold on, hold on a second, Jesus had the exact same situation. And you got to stop blaming your message on the results that people manifest. I'm going to say that to every preacher. Stop blaming your message on the results people manifest because there's a transaction going on in the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word. You're giving the envelope. Their job is to receive it, open it, and read what's inside. It may feel like you're doing the hard work as the preacher, but the hardest work is yours. Your job right now is even harder than mine. You know why? (laughs) Because all I do is stuff envelopes. Think about it. The postman, who has the harder job? Delivering the post or opening the red letter with the bills? <laughs> and then have to make phone calls and deal with the, with the crisis. The harder job is yours. Not the sower. Because the seed is always good. Everyone say the seed is good. One more time, the seed is good. One more time, say the word is good. 
The difference was in the hearers. There were four types of hearer. Four types of hearer. All exposed to the same word. Hello? All exposed to the exact same word. The same word that radically transformed 11 lives. Everyone else was exposed to the exact same word. Hello? Now look in my life and ministry, it's the exact same word. There's nothing I've preached abroad that I haven't preached in the house first. It's the exact same word. In the end, the issue is how you hear it. Woo! That's right. Feel it, man. Because I'm just finishing my introduction here. It's going to get crazy in here. <laughs> so he says there's different kinds of hearers. There's the one type of hearer that literally, the minute they hear it, the fowl, the crows, the buzzards come and steal it because it falls by the wayside. wayside. Look at your neighbor say, I hope you're not the wayside here today. It just... <laughs> It, it just kind of drops on the surface. It, it's just on the surface. And usually, if it's on the surface, it is because you, your attention is taken by other things. Let's think about that. Can I keep it real with you? I'm not preaching in the traditional way that I preach because of what I'm preaching about. Some of you, for the first time in your life, are actually listening to me. Some of you, for the first time in your life, you're actually paying attention. All right. Some of it falls on shallow ground. It doesn't go deep enough. Word hasn't gone deep enough. It doesn't go deep if you don't contemplate it. You don't think about it. You don't rehearse it. You don't go out to lunch and say, wow, that message. You know what was the big takeaway for me? You know what the point was that really hit me? You know the part that I really feel like God is trying to tell me something? Was that. See, if you don't contemplate the message, it just never goes deep enough. And then what happens is... Um, it has no root in itself. It has no root. So it bears no fruit. And then the third type was the ones that fell among stony ground. And that's what I want to talk about today, stony ground. Oh, help me now. Stony ground. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, I hope it's not you. Stony heart. All kind of debris. Debris. Bricks, rocks. The word of God is competing with bricks, rocks, and debris. They can't take root. And you know it when persecution arises. It says that when persecution arises for the word, they, it withers away. In other words, this good seed competes with your values and priorities, which are the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, 
and all of these issues in your life are all competing with this message. When actually to receive the word of God, you have to forget all of your other stuff. And that's why you use the worship to get out of your head and get in to a space where God can actually speak to you. But if you don't get into the space, you've misused the worship service. What do I mean by you? Yeah, you've misused the worship service. You could even be a worship leader and misuse the worship service. We know this. I play. You know I play, right? Sometimes playing becomes more important than praying. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes the performance becomes more important than the presence. Wish I had some help in here today. And then your priorities are mixed up. You're outside when the word is being preached. How can that make sense? We don't have great reception in here. But do you know that even my best of friends make me angry if you're calling me at 11 o'clock? Phone ringing at 11 o'clock. Block. Do you have any respect for my faith? Do you know how much I need my faith? Do you know this guy you like, you wouldn't like him at all outside of my faith? And you want to mess with my faith? I need this time to worship. And I can worship good. You know why I can worship good? Because I'm worshiping God. Y'all didn't get that. That went over your head. You know why I can worship good? Because I'm worshiping God, which means I I love you. I'm not even looking at none of you. I can't see you. Unless you miss a note, I see you. But I can't see you. I'm glad glad you dressed up and all that. I'm not looking at you. The most important gate for my faith is my ear gate. And sometimes your ear gate won't even open unless you close your eyes. Samson was a bigger man with his eyes closed than he was with his eyes open. And I know how to close my eyes while they're wide open. Which means... I'm going to worship God in that worship service because I don't know what the week ahead has in store for me. I'm going to get as much nutrition as I can out of that moment. And if the preacher's preaching, I don't care what he's wearing and I'm not interested in his style. Give me the envelope, preacher. I'll open it. I'll read it because God is saying something to me in your sermon. I don't open the door, look the postman up and down and say, no, thank you. Give me the letter and go on to the next door. I am not going to decide whether I receive a message based on the attire of the postman. (laughs) Postman could be unshaved. Postman can be old. Postman can be young. 
Postman can be fumbling and drop the post. It's all right, brother. I got it. I'm interested in what's in that envelope. And yes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it is junk mail. Let's keep it real. Sometimes it's junk mail. <laughs> but give me the envelope all the same. So Jesus had the same issue where he is preaching the good word but getting a minimal result from a good word. Now, now it gets hot in here. But keep on all your clothes. Now turn to uh, John. <laughs> It gets hot in here. Okay. <laughs> Y'all still praying for the bishop. I know. Pray for me. I'll grow up one day. Go to John 8, 43. John 8, 43 to start with. I want you to see these passages. Um, because when I do actually start preaching, it will only be five minutes of a message. So, Here's what Jesus said. In... A dispute with the Pharisees. He's having a dispute with the Pharisees. And here's what he said. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. What? Hold on standing. Hold on a second. Jesus' ministry is characterized by misunderstanding. Like even his disciples don't understand. The 70 who he has appointed definitely don't understand. The crowds that are eating bread and fish, they don't understand. He said, why don't you understand? In the King James, it would say, because you cannot hear my word. Because you cannot hear it. What do you mean you cannot hear it? Yeah, you physically can hear sounds. But with your inner ear, you can't actually hear what I'm saying to you. And because you can't hear it, it doesn't make any sense. This is the famine Amos was talking about for hearing the word. It's happening right here. You are hearing with your ear one thing that you cannot hear with your soul. So it never becomes faith and it never changes your life. Because you are listening on the level that is so shallow stony and wayside that's how you're listening your heart is not open the seed is not germinating in your soul and it's not producing a son of the kingdom it's not producing you know what a son of means it means just like you're not like the words you're hearing because you're not hearing it what and yes you're hungry and not fed because you're not hearing it. And yes, you're looking for somewhere to go. Because you're not fed. It's not that you're not fed. You won't eat. Oh, it gets deep now. John 15. Ba -da -ba. John 15.
So this is Jesus breaking down why his ministry, his earthly ministry, did not produce but 11 sons. Three years of preaching good word produced 11 sons, but big crowds. We're going to just make it clear. Don't confuse crowds with sons. And don't confuse uh, uh, leadership appointees with sons. No, no, no. Big crowds, lots of positions, 70 to be precise, positions, appointees to leadership, but none of them sons. Because the Hebrew for son literally means just like. It means when I met you, I met Jesus. It means that you are so just like Jesus that when I'm going to betray Jesus, I'm going to have to tell you which one of them is Jesus. I'm going to have to bring you into a prayer meeting and the one I kiss, that's Jesus. Why don't you know which one is Jesus? Because they are all like Jesus. And what it's supposed to be, yet you come in and who is the bishop? Which one is the bishop? All, all the guys look like bishops to me. All the women look like bishops to me. They all, they all look like... Huh? Which one is it? It's deep, isn't it? Which one? I'll show you which one is Jesus. Why? I thought he's the big boss. No, he raises up big bosses. Now see, the people that listen to him, they become big bosses. The people that are entertained by him, they never become big bosses. If he stood among them, you'd know that was Jesus. But the people who actually receive his word, they eventually look just like him. You don't know which one is the big boss. Some of you heard that. Could your neighbor say, neighbor, who do you look like? I remember someone once said to me, he said, Bishop, I want, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. I said, well, you're going to have to eat a lot more than that, brother. <laughs> so you don't want to be just like me. But in character, in conviction, in culture, in values, in priorities, that's what you need to do. Uh, all the pastors that follow me universally are bivocational pastors. Did you know that? Can I just make that clear? What do you mean they're bivocational? I mean, not one of them is a full-time minister and that's all they do. Do you know why? Because they follow Bishop Wayne. Business bishop. I teach that Paul was bivocational. And I teach that you must not depend on a church congregation for your livelihood and your lifestyle. If you can run a church, you can run a business too. Get up and build you a business. The pastors actually follow me. That's what they do. The ones that don't, struggle they hang around but they they don't follow because they're in the crowd but they're not sons and you can be in the crowd for years and never manifest sonship because you don't actually receive the word of the kingdom now i'm going to prove this if you want to leave now congratulations you are my illustrated sermon
It is just true. I mean, now, sorry, if you have a legitimate reason to leave, I, just want you to, I need to know, Greg, I'm not preaching this about you right now, Greg. I just need you to know that. A reason I can laugh with Greg is that Greg tells me what I preached after every time I preach. He does. Then he adds perspective to it and dimension to it. And I think, why didn't you tell me that before? Because I would have brought that in. <laughs> but let's be honest. Some of you, you love walking out in the middle of preaching. It's what you do. Don't know what I have to do. Really? I've been in the church for 40 years. I screw face people who ask me to leave when, when the preaching's at What? What do you take this thing for? Uh, some of you understand that uh, colloquial expression. What do you take? You understand how much of my life depends on this moment right here. You should have called me when they were singing. I need to be here now. Watch this. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. What does that mean? Some of you old King James guys like myself. I am the true vine. My father is the husband man. Father, in other words, God planted me in the earth. God planted me in the earth. Watch this. Every branch in me. Everyone say in me. Y'all, listen. If you don't listen carefully, you're going to miss this, okay? And also, maximum love for Talu. Anyone carrying a baby, you're free. Anyone carrying a baby, that did not apply to you. I'm done. And all you guys, I love all you guys. Too many churches, musicians walk out when the preacher's preaching and come back in when he's finished and they are as dead as a door nail. But these guys, I hear you behind me. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I hear you, Bishop. Preach. I'm going to tell you something. These guys here listen to the word, have to listen to the word in ways that other people don't. Because you can't play with a preacher unless you feel where he is and where he's going. It's good. There's no way you could feel where I am outside half the message. Come back in, what's going on? What's going on? is that your, your soul is in a famine. That's what's going on. <laughs> so watch this. Every branch, one more time, say in me. Where is the branch? Attached. What is it? It's attached to the vine. It's in me. It's in me. That does not bear fruit. That's confusing. Where are you, branch? I'm attached, but I'm not fruitful. How is it possible to be attached and not fruitful? Think about it. Church, body of Christ, whoever listens from wherever in the world, whenever we put it out. It's possible to be attached to a fruitful thing and never bear fruit yourself. The branch is in me, but it's not bearing fruit. 
And what does the father do? The father who planted the, the, the vine in the first place. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. Y'all ain't ready for this. He takes away. Y'all ain't ready for this. He takes away. Bishop, I believe I'm not fed. He takes away. You attached, but you're not fruitful. There's a reason. I'm going to break it down. But God eventually takes you away because you're a what? Dead weight. And the rest of us are carrying your lifelessness. <laughs> we have any security here, by the way? I just might need to be accompanied on the way out today. <laughs> I feel like 2023 is the most critical year you've ever lived in your life. And if I play with you, I'm doing you a disservice. I'm not going to play with you this year. Sorry. But if the branch does bear fruit, he prunes it. What? What does it mean? He prunes it. It means because you're bearing fruit, I'm going to cut people off of your life to help you bear more fruit. So now he's pruning you because you are fruitful. Just because you're fruitful doesn't mean God's going to cuddle you and start hugging the tree and talking to the leaves. Because you're fruitful, he's going to actually cut things off to make you even more fruitful. That it may bear more fruit. Because the one who planted the vine, planted the vine for the fruit. That's his job. He wants fruit. That's why he planted. He said, I'm the vine. My father planted me. Then he says, okay, let's keep reading now. You are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. I'll come back to that. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Who's he speaking to? Eleven men. Eleven sons. You are the branches. He's actually speaking to 12 guys. Because one of them is attached but not fruitful. I'm the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you could... So who's the one that bears fruit? Look carefully please at the equation. It is not enough for you to be attached to it. It is not enough for you to be in him. He must also be in you. What? Okay. So you're in him, but he's not in you. You don't bear fruit. If you're in him, he's in you, you bear fruit. How can he be in me? I'm attached to him. I'm in him. How is he in me? Next verse. <sighs> Jump down to verse 7. Read it out loud. If you abide in me and my words, oh, 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 and, and, and abide in you. You ask for what you wish and it will be done for you. You will be very fruitful. In other words, you see, it's one thing to be in a house, okay? It's another thing for the house to be in you. I wish I had some help in here. 
It's one thing to be associated with a ministry. It's another thing for the word of that ministry to be in you. You can be associated with it for years and never have its word inside of you. If the word is inside of you and you are attached to it, you are going to manifest a fruit. And no one will be able to deny that you are blessed because we can see it, evidence, and where's it coming from? It's coming from an unbroken relationship. See, you can be attached to the vine but fundamentally disconnected inside. So that the life that's in the vine is never reaching the branch. You're in it, but you're disconnected from it. That's another phenomenon I've never gotten, and I'm, I'm probably going to start to close with this. This one was the biggest disturbance to me ever. I know in the Bible, the key to prosperity, biblically, is to believe the prophet. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophet, so shall you prosper. What does it mean to believe the prophet? It's like Joseph is in Egypt, and Joseph says, Pharaoh, there could be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Pharaoh says, I believe you. What happens? Pharaoh becomes more prosperous. Now, it's bothered me for years why anyone sits in a church under a leader they don't believe in. That's just the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Why would you do that? Huh? Think about it. Why would you sit there if you don't believe the prophet? Because I wouldn't. Y'all ain't going to help me. I wouldn't. I said, you know what? Yeah, false prophet, bruh. <laughs> bruh. I love you and all that, but you're a false prophet. So I need, a, I need to find a house where I actually respect the leader. Because if you don't, you are disconnected even though you're attached. And then there's no flow of word. The word's not getting in. And only the word getting in is what then produces the fruit. Now, we've got a problem in church anity, a crisis in Christianity globally, worldwide. Can I address the body of Christ for just a moment? We have more word being preached than any generation has ever been exposed to. You used to have to pay money to go to a Bible school. Did you know that? You used to have to pay a lot of money to get a lot of theological uh, uh, companions. Today, you can Google, you can YouTube. You are living in the deluge of information and knowledge. And every preacher that you used to have to run to the conference to hear them for, for one day, you can hear them now all day, every day, and all night. You used to have to wait till they came and hired out an arena to sit there and listen to what they were saying but now you can put them on auto replay and all through the night listen to anyone that you believe is actually an anointed spokesperson for God in this generation we are the generation that has more word than any generation ever but we are the most fruitless in terms of the production of productive believers we are the most unhappy Complaining, criticizing, church is too cold, church is too hot, church is too big, church is too small, seats too hard, seats too soft, music's too loud, music's too quiet. 
They have nothing for kids. They have too much for kids. Looking at husband, looking at wife. For the fifth time in the fifth church. It's the generation we're dealing with right now. It's crazy people who have so much word around them, but are not bearing any fruit, manifestation, or evidence that they are sitting under a prophetic flow. And so this is the famine. It's not a famine for the word. It's a famine for hearing the word. And in this generation and in this day and at this 2023 I want to challenge each and every one of you to create a new priority in your life and that is to open any envelope that God puts in your hand if you believe God put an envelope in your hand take it home uh, uh, unpack it digest it and read what the content is and start taking that part of your life more seriously because see how else do you want God to speak to you? This is the easiest it's going to be, God speaking to you. Do you know that? The easiest. So, oh, no, no, he, he, may, he could just come to me and just tell me. You know, I don't listen to preachers. God just speaks to me. Is it? <laughs> of course he does. That's why you're completely confused, utterly bitter, twisted, lost, running from sea to sea and from east to north, like it said in this passage, because God just speaks to you direct. Here's the, here's the rest. So does the devil. And so does your flesh. And you're going to have to figure out sometime which one it is that's speaking to you. Because you seem to believe the ones that fit the picture that you painted in the first place. See, because if all I have is these voices, which is, could be God, could be my flesh, and could be the devil, then I'm going to pick the one that really uh, leaves me in a comfort zone. That's the one I'm going to pick. Isn't that right? So you have to have an objective voice somewhere who, who's not in your comfort zone and is not beholden to you, doesn't need your money, and does not need your consent, does not need your vote, but can just be purely committed to what he has heard in his prayer you need that you need to sit under that sometime to challenge whatever else is going on inside you know i want to challenge you to actually lock into a ministry this year don't just uh, float do you know what floating is you're the floaters ask the floaters straight what have you learned they'll tell you nothing they're honest and by the same token, anyone who ever says to you, oh, I'm under Bishop Wayne. I've been under Bishop Wayne for 10 years. I say, great. What does he basically preach and teach about? What's his, what's his basic thing? Uh, uh, well, yeah. He's like, you know what I mean? He's just like, in, you know what I'm saying? He's just like, yeah. Bishop, he's just cool, man. I just like Bishop, man. He wears nice crap and that, yeah what I'm saying? Then say to them, oh, I'm looking for Bishop's books. What, what, what book has he written? What, 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 what's his book's name? Book. Um, you know what, though? You know what, though? I don't know the actual name, yeah, of the actual book, though. You see me? But it's like, yeah, it, it's, it, yeah he does his books, yeah. yeah. I've been there like 10 years, isn't it? Congratulations, you get a certificate for being in the crowd. You're not a son. My words are a waste of time in your life. 
So you have to decide, you know what? Maybe God did give me a prophet. And maybe I need to read his books. And maybe I need to listen to his stuff. And maybe I need to unpack the envelopes that get dropped into my life. Because maybe at the end of 2023, I look real different. I sound real different. I'm such a boss. I'm such a boss that when he's in the room, no one knows who the boss is. Even when the boss is in the room, we don't know which one is the boss. Hear my heart. I want you. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Though? Politically correct is difficult. Do you know that? Because almost anything you say can be twisted. I want you to drive a bigger car than me one day. I said it. Not to everyone. To a couple of people who still have the paradigm that the big boss is up here. No, no, no. The ministry of Jesus is to make you the boss. A big boss. And that car thing is a metaphor. Is I want you to be more successful than I've ever been. I want you to go places I've never been. I want you to do things that blow my mind. I want you to become awesome in your field. Because the alternative is to have a soul. And you know what your soul is? It's your mind. Your subconscious mind is your soul. <sighs> to have a soul that's in famine. And the pandemic was the proof. Sorry. Do you know what the pandemic did? It exposed the content of your soul. Why? Because it took away the theater of the church. Because there's no theater, there's no, there's no drama, there's no show off. Like, you know, I lived in tracksuits for two years. Huh? I had to get used to trainers again. Because I lived in tracksuits and slippers. There's no one to show off to. There's no, there's no roles and positions and all that stuff. You have to be a Christian again in the pandemic. And all God left alive was word. Word. It's all was left alive. So people plugged in to hear words. Isn't that right? People plugged in to hear words. Uh, then we came out the pandemic... And there's still some people who are plugged in to words. There are others who have gone back to the show. I don't want you to be one of them. Because when trouble comes for them, there's nothing inside them that keeps them going. You're just empty. Even though you're sitting under fullness. You're drowning in a reservoir. I'm done. Okay, security, get ready. I'm going to run out here in a minute, but let us all stand to our feet in Jesus' name. Yeah. Sorry, I, couldn't pl I can't play with us in January. It's, it's going to be an intense year. It's going to be an intense year. It's going to be an intense year. Draw me. Draw me right back there. Hallelujah. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. A 
course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. And if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.